everybody. Welcome to another episode of Audio Judo. I'm Kyle. And I'm Matthew. Today, oh, 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 you want to? No. Yeah, I was just going to say today. Yeah. We're, uh, we're interviewing uh, Glenn Phillips. That's true. You know, uh, you know quite a bit about him, don't you? I do. I do. Just start off here. Yeah. Uh, about a year ago, I came to Kyle with an idea. Uh, we had just finished working on a different podcast for about six months or so. Mm-hmm. With varying success. Uh, it was breaking apart for work reasons. A couple of our regular members going to take other jobs. But quite honestly, uh, my heart wasn't in it anymore as it had become kind of something I didn't really recognize that it was when it started. So I told Kyle what I really wanted to do was a podcast about music. That was really my first love. And I feel like I could do it some service and be at least a little entertaining. Talked about it for a while, trying to shape it and see what form it would take. Originally, it was going to be more of an argument show. Or we try to convince each other why an album was good or bad. <laughs> I don't know how long we could have kept that up. Uh, not not long, because it seems like we keep agreeing on albums. So that would have been a problem. <laughs> that would have been weird. So I thought, why don't we just get together in my garage after work? I'll pick a record. We can do a little research independently and talk about it. See yeah. what happens. Uh, so that's what we did. And after a year now, this podcast with a fairly humble beginnings uh, is now 34 or so episodes old. Mm-hmm. We've had a few thousand downloads and it's growing daily. Uh, joined a music podcast network at their invitation. Yeah, which was great. I've interviewed some up and coming bands and artists and some legendary artists as well. Yeah. A couple of guest hosts. Couple. And that's been, uh, it's been a ton of fun. Uh, so the first record we ever talked about was Fear by Toad the West Brocket. And to uh, bring this amazing first year of the Audio Judo podcast full circle, we are going to be joined in a few minutes by the lead singer of said band, Toad the Wet Sprocket, Glenn Phillips. Uh, we could really think of no better way to close out the year and begin the new one than this. Yeah. So Glenn has been with Toad since his very beginnings in the mid-80s uh, when he was just a teenager. He's recorded six records with them as well as releasing several solo records. Uh, lately, he has been performing regular Facebook live shows from his home during the lockdown free of charge as well as some stage at shows for a small fee. However... During these shows, he is constantly raising money for a myriad of charitable organizations. Uh, I've been a fan for 30 years of their music, but it's stuff like that that makes me a fan of Glenn as a person. Uh, So let's welcome in Glenn Phillips. Just so you know, before we get started, um, you're kind of our anniversary episode. First record we ever talked about on our podcast last July was Fear. Ah, So first of all, thank you for that. Yeah. And uh, thanks for being with us here today. Sure thing. So how are you uh how are you holding up during this lockdown? I imagine it's coming to some sort of merciful end or beginnings of an end. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's an end to anything coming up. I mean, it's it's I mean, especially as a musician since uh I think we're known as super spreaders. Singers <laughs> are uh, uh basically our job is to spit all over people. So barring uh, a vaccine, you know, high hopes for, um, for operation warp speed, but not actually, uh, not (laughs) a lot of faith. Uh, but, but Hey, I won't, I, I mind (laughs) if it is a success, I will be as happy as anyone. Uh, but I'll be surprised, but yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be surprised. Uh, it's, uh, gonna be, yeah, an interesting couple of years to to see how things come back online. People have been really generous uh, with the online shows and stuff, though, and um, it's felt good to have given myself stuff to do. 
mm-hmm. in this time. But um, yeah, it's also been been pretty weird. So uh, mostly I've been showing up on time for my interviews and making all that work. <laughs> I, I just I got caught up, caught up in just for everybody. So. So, well, we appreciate it. Uh, yeah. You're speaking to Matthew, obviously, and uh, my co-host Kyle is here with, with us today. Hi. So you're still hanging in there. Things are going well. So you've been doing these uh, concerts, but you haven't been doing the singing circles, obviously. No, I haven't been doing the singing circles. They're, they're different, though. I've been <laughs> doing them uh, online on Zoom. Oh, okay. So uh, as soon as I... I'm done here. I need to send out my notice for tomorrow. So we're doing them on Tuesday nights. And what I started doing was bringing out a looping pedal. Uh, a lot of the songs, the, the the singing circle songs are kind of by design, um, written to be sung, not and, and written for people, uh, you know, who are just they're written to be easy, quick teaches. Uh, for like non-musicians. And so it's something you can jump in on and, and you know, you can learn eight, eight songs in an evening. And uh, so they tend to be kind of short and repetitive. They turn into kind of mantras, you know, more like a kirtan thing, like mm-hmm. something fairly positive over and over. Uh, and so they're perfect for live looping. And so now what I do is we go on Zoom and I sing and I'll teach the parts and then I will start looping myself. And so they can all hear me and choose the part they want to sing. And we're all doing it at the same time, roughly, but everyone else is muted. So we don't have this cacophony of delayed signals, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mostly work. And you started doing that locally in the community around where you live, right? Like you've been doing that for several years. Yeah, it's almost three years now. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, I've really loved it. I, for years, I was wanting to find ways of making music that were kind of non-performative and, uh, you know, as inclusive as possible. Uh, I, I love performing and I love, you know, I love expertise and being, you know, really good at what I'm doing. But I also kind of, I, I just feel like music is something everybody has a right to make. And uh, the joy of it is something pretty universal, you know, and in most cultures, it's not so professionalized. It's like everybody sings. You go to a bar, you know, in any country. And I mean, here we, it's like Sweet Caroline is as close as we get. <laughs> That's true. And like everybody knows how to do that, but like you don't, and, and maybe, I don't know, uh, you know, don't stop believing, mm-hmm. but Aside from that, we don't have like our songs where, you know, you just everyone knows it and you sing it and kind of defines the region you're from and a, a com a commonality and uh, and so these songs are kind of a a patch on that important cultural thing that we lost. I mean, it's just there's few better ways to feel like you belong than singing the same song as a bunch of other people at the same time. It just feels great so the closest i've ever seen to that is like a like a art like an irish bar or something in the midwest where everybody in there knows every single song that's being sung and it's it is like a group it's a group effort everybody's into it yeah it's one of the coolest things about going to ireland and you know and there's songs that everybody sings together and if somebody's singing a long sad ballad like everybody else just you were respectful you you go quiet 
and you wait for the guy you you let him sing his 12 verses of <laughs> you know <laughs> trials and travails and and then you know and then you get back to talking and it's uh, uh it's a really great thing um anyway yeah so this is kind of a, a another another way to try to patch that back i mean people do it together in church but that's you know one of the only times and I, and i think there's things like sunday assembly that was trying to be kind of a non-denominational um you know equivalent the belonging parts of church without necessarily having to have any uh, belief system behind it just uh you know the effect as opposed to the background mm-hmm. dogma right you call it <laughs> So are the the stage at concerts and the Facebook live stuff, is that an extension of those singing circles? Is that kind of what the impetus was for that? Oh, I'll throw in a song. It's more something to do. I used to do a lot of stage at concerts, and then I lived in a place with really bad internet for years. And (laughs) so the broadcasting wasn't possible. I kept trying to do stage it, and I would just get knocked offline. And uh, just before... um, you know, just kind of before the shit hit the fan with COVID, I upgraded my, <laughs> I upgraded my internet again and started getting back into that. And so, uh, you know, it was good timing. Uh, so, yeah, and I'd had an audience from having done it, you know, so far back. So uh, the stage, it was great. I'd never done a Facebook Live thing before. And now I'm doing, I was doing five a week. Now I'm doing three a week. Uh, and, and that's kind of cool. Been able to raise a lot of money for charities and, um, you know, every night I try to have a donate button there and, you know, support some other kind of COVID related nonprofit and there's a ton of them. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's kind of been, see, I love those shows. So we, my wife and I just, uh, will watch them every evening or, you know, during the week and just throw it on the TV and, and it's great. It's, it's, uh, it's super fun. I know you've had technical difficulties as we all do, but it's, uh, it's a good time. Yeah. Just even working out, like having to the hard, I now hardwire the internet instead of trying to do it via Wi-Fi. And the fact is like the cable company here, they're, they're out every day, like trying to increase the infrastructure and make it work better. You know, the guy was saying, yeah, your neighborhood is 70% over capacity. It's like, oh, that explains a thing, too. You know, even if I shut off every other device in the house, uh, it's, you know, we are completely straining uh, all the local ISPs. So it's it's kind of amazing, actually, how much extra throughput they're able to handle. But that doesn't mean the whole neighborhood doesn't, like, plummet and crash every once in a while. So since these type of... Uh like live streaming concerts and things have kind of come out of a necessity from the the whole COVID-19 situation. Uh, do you think they'll continue uh, afterwards? Is it something that uh, like you, you've said that you enjoy doing it, but for you and for other bands for that matter, do you think uh, it will continue afterwards? And do you think people will be as generous uh, paying for, for the arts uh, following this? I mean, I don't know. There's already a little bit of diminishing return on it, which which I get. You know, this is lasting a long time. Uh, and at the same time, 
I think music is a lot of what gets people through, you know, there are, and there's so much, you know, every musician is doing this, right? So you kind of find your little corner and I'm glad I have enough people that I'm still being able to pay the rent off of it, which I'm, I'm blown away by. Um, so, you know, at, at the current rate of decline, we'll see what I'm saying in six months and where I have to live in six months, but, uh, it's still working pretty well. So I'm about that. Um, and yeah, I mean, a stage, you know, I loved doing that when I was on the road and there were, you know, it used to be like there were people who would post, um, you know, these pictures of like, you know, they make themselves a cheese tray and open up a bottle of wine and put the kids to bed and do stage it. You know, a lot of people who would like to go to concerts, but either I hadn't been to their town in a while or they were just at a place in their life where they couldn't come out or people who were ill or, you know, it's just like, so there were a lot of people where um, it was this kind of meeting place. You could get together. It's pretty low overhead as far as the cost. And, um, you know, there was that feeling of, of community that kind of comes up through the chat. And it's the very same people who would never talk during a show. And they get to talk as much as they want during a broadcast. (laughs) So they're having a great time getting to know each other. And I mean, I think it works pretty well for everybody. So uh, on the one hand, I think people will be really excited to get back out and go to clubs. Uh, And at the same time, I think people will be... um, will still value that experience and the friends they've made along the way. But, uh, I mean, people are going to be over the moon if there's a point at which they can just go to a club and not feel unsafe or like they're putting others at risk, you know? So I know you you and, and the band, separate of you, uh, you guys have all, always been super charitable. I know you've played concerts for Jack Nicholas uh, and his uh, Children's Healthcare Foundation, Sierra Club, and uh, the one most associated with you guys because of Holder Down is the RAIN organization, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Obviously, you, you feel strongly about these things, um, but how did all of this come about, this passion for charitable work and stuff like that? Um, it's just kind of, I don't know, it just seems like what what a reasonable thing to do if you have a bunch of people gathered together, you know, you can do a little bit of... Hey, since you're all here, look at this thing. Uh, this is kind of cool. This is helpful. Yeah. And uh, so, always just seemed normal. I mean, examples growing up were you know YouTube, REM, uh, Peter Gabriel doing all his work with Amnesty International. Sure. Or, I mean, you know, there've been a lot of, you know, it's it's one of the things you're able to do uh, if you get a bunch of people together looking in the same direction you can direct a little bit of that attention to uh ways of you know either finding help or helping other people and it's just um you know seems seems like a a good effort to put in um and some years we've been better at it than others some years we've been just trying to keep our own lives together and get along and get out on the road some years we kind of remember like, oh, hey, we have like, let's make this even more fun and uh, have it have it be useful. So, 
Yeah. You know, these days I think there's a little bit of, um, you know, choosing what will be beneficial and, uh, you know, like choosing as things become more and more divisive. Um, it's interesting to kind of pick, uh, pick things where you hope the conversation around it and, and not that. I even had this last week where every once in a while I kind of boil over about the administration and I will <laughs> instantly and unwisely post something on Facebook where nothing turns out good. Nope. <laughs> you know, it always turns into the same conversation. I'm like, God damn it. I didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't want to have like five people write me and block me and tell me they'll never listen to me again. Uh-huh. And I didn't want to see the petty arguments. I didn't want to see like, you know, the mansplaining on either side. I don't want to see the people who agree with me politically taking cheap, nasty shots at the people who, uh, you know, it's like, damn, the, 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 like, and once again, the stuff that I'm angry about is starting, you know, and I don't feel that this is conservatives in general. I feel this is like, we're in a particular mood. And I know, I, I know personally a lot of conservatives who are, uh, really unhappy with what's been going on. Sure. And, you know, this, this isn't me. This is not what I said. This is not, you know, but it's, a it's so kind of divisive and reactive that to try to figure out, okay, how do I talk about the things I care about and frame them in ways that are, you know, entirely positive. Yeah. Without and inadvertently if, starting a Twitter war. If I believe in love and truth and people supporting each other, I should be able to describe those uh, things in ways that don't push people away. And yes, my specifics are going to be different. And 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 I think we're up against something that is beyond ideology right now. That is that is I think you know kind of patently evil, uh, and that that's hard to work with and and fight when you're having to go like, but wait, you know, the sky is blue, the grass is green, you know, gravity pulls towards large objects with mass it's like uh, <laughs> these things haven't changed you know? agree uh, hydrogen is an electron and uh, you know like help <laughs> uh, so, and it's odd when things that just felt like uh i don't know like the the solid ground we all share by which we can start to have a, a discussion are no longer there um it's easy to kind of get yeah, frustrated and start lashing out. And uh, so it's 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 always interesting to try to figure out how to have that conversation in a way and not to like back away from conflict, but to ask what's the most benefit and what do you actually want to achieve, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, and, you know, so, and, and where do you just draw the line? You know, it's like, uh, yeah, so... Uh, some people get upset about the, you know, Sierra Club because it's restricting their freedom to do whatever they want in the wild or extract whatever they want from the wild. I, I don't care if they uh-huh. get upset. If anyone ever had a problem with rain, I really don't care if you have a problem with rain. It's like I'm not going to spend time soothing you. Sure. Uh, you know, and same with, you know, Amnesty International. I felt like, you know, prisoners of conscience, people who are being tortured, like, no, that's, you know, basic human rights stuff. I'm going to stand up for that. So, um, and I think those conversations are all, you know, once again, I don't need everybody to think like me. I think people can come to really intensely 
different conclusions, uh, you know, based on that starting point of like, yeah, I love people. I want people to be safe and happy and well. And, you know, we have these metrics of do you trust people? The private sector, or do you trust government more? It's like, neither. Neither. Nobody. (laughs) What are we going to do? Because it's all we have. So like, you know, and then you can start a conversation rather than going like government can't do anything right. And private sector is all about money and greed. You can have a conversation that's like, well, we want this to be a better place, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can agree on that. And so what are the tools we have? Private sector and government. How do we want to use them? Well, that's the beginning of a conversation, and and I I forget that from time to time, and I I just go ah, and then I find <laughs> myself with people yelling at each other, and I've been the guy who instigated it. I'm like, damn it, I did it again. I fell for it. I think that's become culturally what's what what happens now is everybody forgets that now. Our time frame is so short now for for remembering things that have happened. Uh, because everything happens so fast now and we're so plugged into it. I think that you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's just, we forget that, you know, you have to have a base. You have to have a starting place where everybody can say, this is proven. This is where we need to start from now. Let's launch off from there and, and make things better. I think it's really refreshing to hear that too, because there's so many people that don't understand that. And the ones that do oftentimes won't admit it. They won't come out and say, no, we need to stop. We need to step back and we need to say, you know, we have to come up with a starting point. Yeah. Well, and and we have to be willing to be wrong uh, and willing to learn, you know. And I mean, you know, when I go into science and this is one of those things that I don't know if people understand about science. And, you know, it's just like the scientific method is not based on you have a theory and then you try to prove it correct. Scientific method is based on you have a theory then you try to prove it wrong. Yeah. Like you do a whole lot of research and you test the theory in every way you can imagine to test it to see if it holds up. And, you know, positive results, result they get uh, is one of the difficulties in science is the, the, the human desire to, you know, you get more accolades if you if you got you had a good idea and it was right. 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 Yeah. Um, people who do like a really brilliant thesis that turns out to have been slightly off, don't, they don't win prizes, uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but they do really important research because all the people would go like, oh, what if things work this way? Get to look at that paper and go, oh, I guess maybe they don't. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's a lot of work. But, um, you know, we reward positive results in a different way. But that understanding that that it's not just everybody has a hunch and then is only collecting the information that backs up their hunch. It's like it's really trying to design systems that work around those that human desire to be right and that put in fail safes so that hopefully what you end up with is the truth instead of the thing you wanted. And I think the the more we apply that to our politics and everything else, the the better off we'll be. But uh, that stuff is, that stuff is really hard. I mean, I, I've spent a lot of time in the kind of pre-internet days, I think partially because so many of Toad's lyrics are so, I use a lot of, uh, you know, Christian imagery, Judeo-Christian imagery, because that's kind of 
those are the metaphors. Those are the myths of our culture, right? Mm-hmm. That are you, you can, and I find it fascinating. I, I used to read a ton, uh, you know, read a lot about early Christian history, and I, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, and so, using that language, there were a lot of people in the church who kind of thought that we were part of that world and who are actually really shocked when, you know, they meet me and I'm like a Buddhist leaning liberal. (laughs) And and so I learned to have like really beautiful conversations, you know, in person when you can slow down and avoid triggering. And I can remember that these people on the right really love their families. They really want to do what's best for, you know, the people around them. And I can show them that, I'm, you know, I don't know that, you know, I can be the exception to their rule for the liberal as well as somebody who listens and isn't like angry and crazy. And, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I think the more we get close, the more we realize, you know, we're we're two sides of the same coin. But I I, I don't know what you do when uh, when, you know, basic reality. I don't know. There are things that start to just, I, I, I do a lot of practice in trying to empathize and, uh, trying to understand, uh, how somebody can think something really different than me. And sometimes it, 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 it's, it's a more strained process than it used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, just when I'm looking at things that seem so violent and kind of angry and, and divisive in their core and, I'm expected to react to them in a in a you know gentle way, and I, I sometimes really takes a lot for me to figure out how to do it, or even if I'm capable. So yeah, um, so it, yeah, it's it's interesting. So you've been a part of Toad and or making music for most of your life uh, since you were a teenager, at least, right? Since you were in the band, um, if music hadn't worked out for you like it has. Uh, what did you want to do? Did you have other career aspirations or was it music and music alone? Oh, no, I, I was I started in theater. I always knew I'd be in the arts uh, in some way or another. Uh, and I had thought that I was going to be a high school teacher. Um, I was planning. I mean, the, the band got signed kind of by accident. We'd we'd made a couple of records just as, you know, a local band. We put out a tape in town and we were recording our second record. We were recording Pale. And the plan was that we would, you know, put it out, play a few gigs in town. And then I was going to go to San Francisco and go to San Francisco State. Um, I wanted to live in the city uh, and was yeah, going to teach high school. And then I remember it was, we were in dead week, you know, two of the guys were at UCSB. I was at city college in Santa Barbara and we were supposed to be studying for our finals. And instead we flew out to New York and signed a record deal with Sony. And then, you know, (laughs) later we were on the road. And so, um, you know, and they put out the records we'd done. That was when I was 18. And I think even at that time I was like, oh, we're going to get dropped. You know, it's a band, but we're going to have a really cool story. I'm going to be able to tell people like, yeah, I was in a band. We were on like, we were on Columbia Records. And, and I just thought it would be this thing that happened. And, you know, now here I am certainly no longer on a major label, uh, but <laughs> it be, 
became my life in a way that I I could never have um, predicted. And, and even with that, I mean, I had decided at age 16, I had a theater teacher in high school and it was his, I mean, I've told this story before, but it was his first year teaching and he came in and he's like, Hey, you're my first class. You know, I've been here. He was there the year before when I wasn't there as a student teacher. Um, but he's like, basically I'm here because I love the theater more than anything. And I saw all my friends going to New York and Chicago and Los Angeles. And I realized I didn't want to have to, I wanted to be in the theater. I didn't want to be auditioning. I didn't want to be selling myself. I didn't want to have that world. I didn't think it was that important that I be the guy. Uh, I just wanted to be in the theater because I love it. And I realized that teaching was the way that I could do that. And I, I remember at 16, I'm like, yes, <laughs> like that to me, the idea of going out in the world and promoting myself, um, was just frightening. Um, and I realized I, I'm a sensitive enough person. I mean, I've always, uh, you know, been prone to depression. I've always, you know, had, uh, I don't know, kind of a thick skin. It was like, I, uh, a thin skin, sorry. Like the, you know, reading reviews, seeing nasty comments, like it just tears me up. And I'm like, perfect. That way I can do art my whole life, encourage other people to do art. And I don't have to sign up for ridicule. And that sounded like a really great deal to me. And then, so of course, instead, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I was one of the people who had the repeated dream of like, you know, the dream of like, you give your book report and then you look down and you notice you're naked and everyone's <laughs> laughing at you. Yep. Yeah. That was my repeated nightmare. And so I chose to do that for a living, uh, <laughs> or despite everything. You just face your fears head on, literally. Yeah, well, and you know, it's it's a constant process that way. Uh, you know that in many ways, and there's there's like there's smart. You know, there's your true instinctual fear, which is telling you about actual problems, and then there's, um, you know, whatever kind of fears. You know, I don't know, based in trying to idiot-proof life, uh, and you know. Uh, I find myself over and over having to having to come up with ways to like overcome that. And my fear is huge. It's like it can knock me down for, you know, at the beginning of this thing, honestly. I, my big story as a kid, like all the sci-fi, I loved dystopian post-apocalyptic stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was my worst fear, you know, and maybe some of it I got from my dad, just this fear. It's like, nope. This is too fragile. It's too weird. It's all going to fall apart and it's going to fall apart in a quick and violent and terrifying way. And I found myself, you know, curled up, like just convinced that the things were going to be Mad Max in six months. And this was the beginning of it. And my worst fear was happening. And, you know, it, um, I had to kind of scoop myself off the floor and go into that and be like, well, it's like, Anything I do now going to make a difference if that happens? Like, nope, I, it's not. I, I, could, I guess I could take like self-defense, you know, take some Mog <laughs> or something. At, at, 
uh, you know, like really I'm a, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So screw it. Like if it, if it falls apart, it falls apart. And, uh, that'll be the end of things if that's the end of things. And, and I had, you know, I repeatedly have to go all the way into it. I mean, I think there's ways of looking, especially with things like I'm, I'm willing to say for myself, mental illness or, you know, um, or complexity, extra sensitivity, uh, (laughs) that leaning into it and not in an indulgent way where I let all the stories happen, but in a way where I, Get to like look at the feeling, follow it all the way through, not run away from it, not try to squash it. And I always find on the other end of it, there's a kind of freedom. And um, you know, I think you can let you can let those mental things shut you down and try to hide away from them, or you can use them as a launch pad to kind of develop uh, uh, an extra kind of bravery in response to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know. That it doesn't have to be an excuse to go, oh, I can't do that because I'm, you know, anxious. I can't, you know, it's like instead you got to go like, nope, I'm freaking anxious. My my entire life is facing my fears. And so uh, and succumbing to them. I, I am about 50-50 these days. But, you know. <laughs> well, I think it's Sunday's an up. interesting comparison <laughs> because there's so much uh, like Toad's lyrics over the years because I've been listening since the Pale Record where – melancholy i guess would be the best way to 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 say it and and i remember the first time that i took my wife to see you guys live and she was really expecting that kind of to permeate everything that kind of melancholy you know lyrical style and she walked away going and he's hilarious because you were telling jokes between you know songs and you you were having a good time and it didn't so you, you were clearly i don't know if that's that's what you're using kind of to fight those fears is, you know, it, it, it's not as serious as it necessarily sounds, but it's a, uh, you're having a good time. The music is the tool where I get to go into the dark and deal with it. And it allows me to be a much happier person in the rest of my life. Um, and yeah. And the shows, you know, it's like, we're goofs. Uh, I'm a, I'm a goof. And, uh, you know, I remember the same thing happened with the, the cure, like, you know, thinking that I, eventually it turned around. It's like, why can't I be, they eventually got overtly silly and fun. But I remember early, you know, Robert Smith, I remember when Robert Smith turned 30 and all the goths in, in the, at the high school were like, oh, my God, he's going to die. He said he wouldn't live past 30. It's like they were all holding these preemptive vigils for him. Well, yeah, he and did. Instead, he did disintegration right as he was 30 because we just did an episode about that. And he was convinced that he was never going to write anything worthy of you know, being listened to ever again. I haven't wrote, I haven't written my masterpiece and I'm about to turn 30. So my life's over. Yeah, what an ageist idiot. And he proved <laughs> uh, But yeah, Robert Smith. I mean, like, I, I think of all these people who I, you know, there's something about like, just because you can go to the, those particular depths doesn't actually mean you're a maudlin person. And, and for me, it's like, and I think it's something that, you know, it's uh, Elton John, a sad song says so much. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's something about it because you're not alone. And, you know, someone's felt something close to what you felt and what you're feeling. And, 
Um, you know, I've found in recent years, like through the the singing circles and even somewhat in my own writing, it's like, oh, a happy song can do it for you too. Uh, and trying to kind of learn that, you know, I, I call it, it's the Van Morrison trick of writing a song that seems happy on the surface, but it's not light. Like, you know, brown eyed girl, somebody was like, Oh, brown eyed girl. The secret is she's dead. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's something underneath it that he's not like denying the darkness. Um, and you, that balance, like, I don't know why I can handle a song that's all devastation, but if I hear a happy song, I want there to be some admission of real life in there. I want it to, I want the light to always contain the shadow. I want the shadow noted. And if it's too light, then I have no interest. And if it's exactly, if it's light, and it also contains the shadow, then I'm riveted. And so uh, like, if it's all light. Uh, I don't take it seriously. Yeah. And maybe if it's all dark, the same, <laughs> True. I need some hope in there too. Um, so yeah, I take back my earlier statement. I need it in both. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, just cause you write serious stuff doesn't necessarily mean you're always like shoegazing and, and <laughs> angry. So, uh, speaking of toad, I know a lot of fans will be listening to this. Uh, can I ask how Randy is doing? He hasn't been on the road with you guys for what two or three years now, right? Yeah, I just talked to him a little bit ago. He's uh, down in San Diego these days. He's doing well. Good. He's, you know, got some drumming studio, uh, like, you know, students and stuff and hanging out with his son. And um, yeah, he's doing good. Good. Uh, obviously, COVID's probably hampered a lot of stuff, but uh, any thoughts of a new record or ep for toad or you or both yeah we're, we're working i actually started a i started a record and then decided to kind of switch things over and make a toad record because i realized you know toad hasn't done toad hasn't done a record in a lot longer than i haven't done a record <laughs> even though <laughs> a record and, you know I, I i should have done a record sooner so uh toad was more due than i was so, uh, I've, yeah, so we're working on it and it's all, we're mailing stuff back and forth. We managed to get, uh, like two days in the studio to, you know, cut some drums and get, you know, a little bit of basic stuff. And now we're just, you know, dropboxing tracks to each other and, uh, there should be a single out in the next month or two. It's, it's a strange time. So we're doing right. this record, like, you know, where we can't can from our homes hmm. so uh, i've seen you four times here in vegas through the years do you have any do you have any fond memories of playing in las vegas fond memories or any of memories <laughs> oh, no, i have many many memories of vegas i think my, my i mean my favorite times there um were probably uh, well i i enjoyed playing the red rocks casino because it's kind of out of town yeah. it's off the strip and, and there, you know, you play the bar there. It just felt more local. There's, there's an element of some Vegas, like I've liked the Vegas stuff where, you know, and certainly don't tell anyone at Caesars this cause we'd love to play there. Um, 
actually had a really good time opening. Oh God. As far as the stuff on the strip, was it the Luxor where we opened for counting crows at the pool? Yeah. That was pretty cool. Like everybody's just standing knee deep in the water and that was a lot of fun. It was outdoors. It was cool. I liked playing in the old downtown thing at the festival there mm -hmm. where the streets just packed out. And, um, that was a really cool show. That was like temperature was, God, it must, it was in the hundreds. It was so hot. That sounds normal. Uh, yeah. So those are probably my favorites there. I mean, it's possible sometimes to play, you know, if you're on the strip, sometimes it's just, it's the, it's like, it's more the tourist audience, which is fine. And I'm happy to have them there, but it's like, it's gotta be a thing for, for you guys too in Vegas of like, you want shows where like, it's not just, oh, is there a show? You want shows where everybody's into it. Sure. And it's not like they just looked at the list and were like, well, we're here, let's see a show, you know? <laughs> and, and Vegas audience, I feel like when you get off the strip and play like a legit show, or I think we played at a college way back when, and like, I feel like when you get away from the strip, audiences are extra into it there. Uh, like when it's local. Uh, definitely. Um, yeah. Well, I, um, I actually got I, you into the, oh, go ahead. Oh, one of, uh, I, I had a, a back, back in the day with Toad when we were practicing, you know, at our, in our garages, um, the, we, we did have one day where I, I forget what song we'd been working on, but, um, we'd been practicing in my garage for a long time. And, uh, my next door neighbor, uh, this older guy, Smitty, all of a sudden, like the garage door, like there was this just loud, booming, shattering noise. And we ran outside and he was out there in a wife beater with a sledgehammer, like just beating on the on the garage door like just so angry he's like won't you ever stop don't you have any decency we're trying to have a life here and he looked at me and i was wearing i had a there's a do you, do you know the las vegas punk band fuck shit piss no <laughs> from back in the day i had my fuck shit piss t-shirt on <laughs> Just like looked at me, and he's like, "Fuck shit, piss." Same to you, bucko. <laughs> uh, and anyway, there's there's my little bit of Vegas in a toad memory. I like you. that. I actually got you into the Brooklyn Bowl one time. You were uh, coming back from dinner or or something, and you didn't yeah, have I, yeah, you didn't have your credentials with you. And my wife and I were yeah. waiting out front to get into the VIP uh, area, and I said, "Hold on," because I recognized you right away, and I ran over to the ticket booth and said. You probably should let this guy in or the show is going to suck. And they let you in. So I, yeah, I mean, once again, I just don't have that thing. I have walked in venues with people who weren't in the band, but who look like rock stars and they let them in. <laughs> and I'm like the guy playing, you're like, nope, nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope. You can't come in. You obviously, you, you obviously work with it or something. <laughs> <laughs> so are there, are there songs, uh, are there songs that you wish you guys would perform again or never performed from your catalog that you always wanted to do? Cause I know I've um, never heard she cried live and I always wish I would have heard that live. Uh, you got to tell me that again. I'm sorry. I actually just went off the ranch for one second. I was trying to oh. remember if this actually existed or not. And I quickly and there is fuck shit. guns and bullets, uh, guns and bullets. 
LVHC, A Way of Life, dedicated to the one away with it. Anyway, you can look them up later. Sorry, what were you asking? (laughs) (laughs) I asked if there were any uh, songs that you you guys wish you would, or you personally would wish you would perform again or never performed from your catalog, but always wanted to and just didn't. No, not really. I think we do most of the ones. There's a few we pulled back. You know, we we didn't play Golden Age when uh, or enough when the record uh, New Constellation first came out. And yep. We've added those back in, and I love playing those. Um, probably be fun to play Butterflies again. We haven't done that for a while. Um, and uh, Little Buddha, I always liked. We don't really play that. That'd be tough um, to pull happy, off live. There's something about, I just never liked the lyric on Corporal Brown. Mm. People ask all the time. I like the music. I just can't stand the song. Uh, the part that I'm, Todd wrote the music. Music's great. I wrote the lyric. I just don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your, uh, your tour for this summer, you were, you were going to be on a tour with what Jim Blossoms and Bare Naked Ladies. And that's been delayed, at least temporarily delayed till next summer. Is that correct? It's delayed a year. Delayed, yeah. Okay. The la- last summer on Earth tour, which is an ironic name considering what's happening. Uh, well, there was a point at which uh, that was still up on Toad's website as like the banner and they called management. And, you know, it's like a month. I hadn't looked at the, the Facebook and I'm like, I think last summer on Earth has become creepy. Yeah. <laughs> We've got to take it down. It's a, uh, a little too but, on point for right now. It's a, it's kind of on the nose. So uh, that is postponed. Uh, so it was the second to last summer on Earth. Uh, <laughs> the penultimate summer on Earth. Uh, and the, yeah, that, so that's that's put off. And we have a bunch of other shows that are delayed till October or November. But I, I had some solo shows moved to November. I hope they happen. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also feeling like, you know, live concerts are going to be the last thing to, to come back on just because of what they are. Uh, yep. I'm not going to work so, anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, would would love it uh, if that were the case, but as it is, I just, I seriously doubt it. So um, I don't know, maybe we'll work out things where it's like, you know, the band is, uh, people aren't allowed to sing along and, you know, the band is behind plexiglass uh, or something <laughs> yeah it's you know but but you know short of that uh i don't think there's a way to safely do it uh once again until we have um you know things like testing uh at the very least mm-hmm. and hopefully uh yeah some treatments that actually work so fingers fingers crossed so warp no, speed operation warp speed yeah so so yeah. normally like no go ahead that and, and the and the space force logo <laughs> yeah ripping off the star trek insignia did you see uh somebody posted the other I'm, day that uh, gibson guitars was going to sue them because it's the same as the flying v shape of the guitar wow i'm amazed that cbs wouldn't sue for yeah. like it's it's not subtle. I mean, the no. flying V is, it's not the flying V. It's really the Star Trek insignia. It's got the curve of the Star Trek insignia. <laughs> yeah. The flying V got the curve. Uh, yeah. Imaginations. Right. 
<laughs> anyway, move on. Yeah. Super duper. Uh, uh, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, okay. What was I? I was lost. That's where I was. Um, usually the last thing I do on an interview, I'm going to ask you a question here. So you're about to be dropped off on a deserted island. But luckily, you have a record player. I don't know how you're going to run it. Probably Coconuts, Gilligan's Island style. I'm not sure exactly how. But you can only take five records with you. What are you taking with you? Well, that's hard. Hmm. It's amazing how much the answers vary. Yeah, I, I'd want some variety in there. I'd probably want the Brandenburg Concertos. Um, I would probably want... Man, that is a really hard one. Only because it has the line, a bamboo needle on a shellac of Chopin. <laughs> uh, late in the evening as I sit here moping with a bamboo needle on a shellac of Chopin. Since I would have a bamboo needle, I would have to have all this useless beauty. I, uh <laughs> Costello. Elvis Costello is a great record. Yes, so that I could laugh at it every time it came. <laughs> uh, I have a bamboo needle, and then I would probably have to have something by Chopin, but I'm not really into him as much. So, uh, this is always a harder question than I want it to be. Uh, maybe the Weatherman. I just I can't stop listening to the Weatherman by Gregory Allen Isakoff. Mm. That's a great record, uh, and. I don't know, something to dance to. So uh, maybe some Funkadelic just because you could sing along. Yeah. Um, That's funny. That's come up before. Like, yeah, danceable and groovy, and you can sing your own song over it, you know, mm. which is probably a good thing. Something that doesn't add so much content that you can't make up your own deal to it. Am I at three or four now? Kyle? I think I'm at four. Oh, that's four. The Brandenburg Concerto, uh, All This Useless Beauty, uh, The Weatherman, and Funkadelic. Yeah. And then beyond that, I don't know. Do I want to go for a su surpassing beauty or, or, um, oh, that's really, this is, this is just hard. <laughs> Comedy? Ooh. Do I learn a language? <laughs> 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 Language on record. Language on record. You know, you could do it. It would be a multiple record set. Um, I don't know, maybe The Wall, just because that was like my favorite vinyl as a kid. Oh, that'd be great in the middle of the ocean at night. Nothing yeah. around. That'd be good. I, I should have added some Lionel Richie to that, shouldn't I? You can have a bonus. Can I have a bonus? Yeah, you can get a bonus. Yeah, okay. Living on the ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> no that's good see and and the, the best part about that is if if i called you back 10 minutes from now and asked you to give me five they'd be completely different yeah. than that yeah and that's the great thing about that's a great thing about music it's like it changes it evolves you know your tastes adapt a little bit and you're like oh i don't want to listen to that anymore i'll take something yeah else. it's like people ask constantly it's like what's your favorite you know, what's your favorite song? It's just even of my own or anybody else's. It's like, I, it's an impossible question. An impossible question, except moment to moment. There's probably a song I'd like to hear right now, but, um, yeah, once again, there's an endless supply. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. Uh, Glenn, we are, we are so grateful that you took some time to talk to us today. Yeah. I appreciate it. Is there a, thank you. Great. 
is there any way, I guess the, I got two quick questions for you. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, and what's the best way for uh, fans to, to help you out to either buy your music or buy your merch or, or whatever? Yeah, I, my merch, I don't have any management or anything right now. I need to do some print on demand uh, stuff. I, I guess I need to get that taken care of. Anyone wants to help me make merch, that'd be great. Uh, so I need to set up a print on demand thing. Uh, I am on Facebook Live and I've I'm, I'm got to figure out the trying to find a $20 a month as opposed to a $40 a month service that allows you to cross post also to YouTube. Um, and I'm seeing zoom lets you post either to Facebook or to YouTube, but not to both. Uh, hmm. so anyway, uh, but I'm on at this point, uh, you know, on Facebook live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 PM, uh, on, uh, Pacific time. And I do a 5 PM Sunday stage it. Uh, and so those so far are holding their time slots. I may move them eventually so as to have uh, better evenings here and more time with my girlfriend. Uh, but, That's good. Yeah. Uh, so those happen and I'm on Venmo at Glenn Phillip, capital G, capital P. I'm the one with the guitar and the plaid shirt. Uh, and Glenn at glennphillips.com at uh, PayPal. And uh, you can just Send me money if you want to send me money. Um, I always like that. And and honestly, it's been really sweet. A lot of people have been saying, you know, I just keep getting like, you know, somebody going, hey, thank you for the last 30 years. And thank you for the free shows and keep doing it. And meanwhile, uh, the shows on Facebook are all benefits. So uh, I still haven't figured out the back end of Facebook is, is truly terrible. Mm -hmm. Uh so I'm able, I'm broadcasting them from my page and I can have a donate button on my page, but I am cross posting on the toad page and for some reason I can't have a donate button there. So that's frustrating. That's weird. Trying to, yeah, it's really annoying when you cross post, you can add like selling stuff information, but not giving stuff information. Oh. Or if you try to add it, it changes it from a notification of a show or an event to just a donate post. Hmm. Um, yeah. Gay Facebook. There are so many things where you try to save like your progress. Like you create, I don't know if you've had this, you're like create a live stream and then you hit the yes on schedule and it just makes the whole page go down and doesn't fresh the page you're on. So you're like, did I post it or not? <laughs> you think <laughs> And so you do another one. I've, I've had it where I found like, Oh, I've, I've, scheduled five concerts and uh because it doesn't actually give you the feedback that it exists and if you put on the donate it doesn't anyway it's annoying i'm going on too long about that stuff so monday wednesday friday 6 p.m pacific uh on facebook and if you don't see a donate button i will figure out another way I keep trying to figure out ways around the stuff that's broken <laughs> perfect cool thank you so much yeah. again looking forward to uh new single and and whatever else you put out and yeah and the concerts too the facebook concerts and the okay. stage at concerts it's a nice family event here at the house so it's very sweet uh and yeah it's been interesting to keep pulling songs out that i haven't played yet for two months <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um yeah 
Anyway, I got to schedule one for tonight. I only have four hours. Yeah, no, you run out of time. But, I know. So thanks again, and you know, let you get back to your day, and and we appreciate the time. Thank you. Sorry for uh, missing the call at the top. No problem. Yeah, no worries, man. All right, you stay safe. You too. Thanks. All Bye. Right. See ya. Bye. So thank you so much, Glenn, for coming to talk to us. Matthew's face is making me giggle right now. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much, Glenn, uh, Glenn Phillips, um, for coming to talk to us today. It was, uh, or I guess, talking to us via Skype today. It was uh, great talking to you. If you want to, uh, you can get in touch with him. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Glenn Phillips Music. Uh, at Glenn Phillips on Twitter. GlennPhillips.com if you want to check out. Uh, he did say he was going to work on some new merch while we were interviewing him. So hopefully. I'll uh, give it a whirl, I think. Yeah, hopefully by the time you hear this, it'll be, uh, you might have something up. Uh, and I'm sure there's some other stuff on there too. Or uh, ToadTheWetSprocket.com if you want to hear uh, some of their stuff. Buy some of that. I'm sure there's merch on there. There is merch on there, I haven't there, looked yeah. at it recently, but. Plenty. Then, uh, yeah, you can also get in touch with us. Uh, let us know uh, if you have some good uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket memories from the past. Yeah. Uh, go back and if you haven't, go back and listen to our very first episode. With the pilot episode. The pilot episode. And you can tell us uh, whether we've gotten any better or worse. I uh, feel, really feel, feel like it's worse. worse. I feel like it's worse. <laughs> uh, you can get in touch with us, info at audiojudo.com. I mean, He's, we sound better because Randy's got better. That's true. Randy Randy's has gotten much better. Randy's we, learned a lot and improved. Right. We suck. Uh, yeah, we we don't know what we're talking about anymore. Just making it up. He did bring <laughs> these beers, though. That's true. Uh, Free, where were we? Uh, info at audiojudo.com. Yeah. You can email us there. Probably the best way to get in touch with us. Uh, we are on facebook.com forward slash audiojudo at audiojudo on both Twitter and Instagram. We do have our store is, uh, we get a little bit of merchant. So if you want to, uh, throw us a couple of bucks for some beer, uh, audiojudo.com, uh, and then click on store up at the top there. Uh, we're going to be updating some other stuff on there, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm. If you want to see pictures of us, <sighs> scary, I know. Those might be on there soon. Oh, boy. Um, one other thing we need to mention, we're now part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Um, there's a whole bunch of other music-related podcasts on there. So if you go to pantheonpodcasts.com, you can check out all the uh, music-related podcasts in the network. If you will, for sure, if you like our podcast. You'll probably find others that you like in there. And if you are uh, happen to be coming from uh, the Pantheon Podcast Network and listening to ours for the first time, welcome. Uh, and that's, uh, that's it for right. this episode of Audio Judo. And whoever's been here since the beginning, thanks for joining us for the whole year. Yeah, we do appreciate you. And if you're new, welcome. And tell your friends. And uh, we'll keep doing this as long as uh, my wife continues to pay, pay the electric bill. Yeah. So other than that, we will talk to you soon. Have a good day, everybody. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.